so evening, but grand evening, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our Shake the Room this evening. This evening, we're going to be doing something new. So, as we've stepped into the month of guidance, I actually got confirmation last month that I would be sharing um, just some of the people's journeys through Elevate with you guys publicly um, because it really is a space of growth and it really is a space of people sifting and sorting through things. And sometimes you get to hear it because you get to hear them come up on the stage. Um, but generally, you don't always get to hear people's personal stories. So we want to create a space on a Wednesdays over the next couple of weeks that actually is going to be guidance live. So today we have the wonderful Shanice and Kirsty, and both of them have struggled with mental health. And actually, Shanice reached out to me to say she wanted to do this room, and would I be open to doing a collab with her because she feels that it's important to speak about mental health. And the way that I love God, it was confirmation of what he told me to do. So I was like, come on, let's do it. We're not wasting any time. Let's just do it. Um, and then as I shared it with the space today to let everybody else know it would be their turn. I just asked if anybody else was struggling or has struggled with mental health. And Kirsty said she has. Now, what's interesting is in this month, they're both accountability partners. I love God. So they're an account within the space in Elevate, but today they are here to share their own truths, their own testimonies, their own struggles with mental health. Um, and they're just sharing it with you guys. And I'm here, one, to hold the space, but two, if I can offer any guidance or anything that I've helped them through or I've helped people through with mental health. We're going to start the conversation. Kirsty, Shanice, y'all ready? Perfecto. I know Kirsty's got to go early. So Shanice, if we start with her, then I'll let you chop in after if that's okay. Go ahead, Kirsty. Just tell us about your journey with mental health. Uh, grand evening, everybody. Um, let's start. I would say I've had, I suffered with depression from a young age due to um, situations and experiences that happened that were out of my control um, and that shouldn't happen to a young child and I found myself dwelling on it quite a lot and I would say anxiety um, has kicked in for me a lot later in life more as an adult since um, I've experienced the world a little more experienced life a little more um, had my daughter lost a child so there's quite a few things that add to me suffering with depression and with suffering with anxiety and those are the main ones that I suffered with. I have for my depression before um, I've had counselling, I've had specialist counselling, I've had six weeks counselling, then another six weeks counselling, then another six weeks counselling and there's only so much talking to somebody that cannot give you any coping mechanisms can do um, before you feel like you're kind of at a loss of and I personally felt I was just getting nowhere with it at all, just nowhere. Um, and it was only when joining Level Up and Elevate Space and being around amazing women in guidance. And it was literally just a simple formula of somebody saying to me that depression is living in the past and anxiety is fear of the unknown, fear of the future. And when I say that, literally has reduced my panic attacks 
by more than half, I cannot explain it. Because in any moment where I feel overwhelmed or I feel a panic attack coming on, I can actually stop and take a moment and say to myself now, what happened a few minutes before? What was it? Or what is it that has come up that you're worried about that you don't know what's going to happen moving forward? Because once I identify it and I can do my best then to try and release it, those panic attacks either don't come or they don't last like they used to. I could be having a panic attack for up to 45 minutes trying to control my breathing at one point. And I can't actually remember the last time I had a panic attack. I think it's months. Months. So that's just a little bit on my journey on how guidance from space, from um, Tanya Coach team, just that one little simple formula has helped me be able to manage my mental health to the point where um, I don't even want to say that I have depression anxiety anymore. It is just what actually has been said. I either have, I'm either stuck in my past and need to shift, or I've got fear of the future of the unseen of the unknown, and I just need to really let it go and just keep moving. So yeah, that's me. I love that. And thank you for sharing so much, Kirsty. So I picked up on a couple of points in listening. Um, and we have an ethos in the Elevate space. And one of the rules that I set very early on, and I said it from the last course, which I did, which was called Level Up, is to be hot. And what hot means is to be honest, open and transparent. It is a code of conduct that we live by within the space. And it's something that I invite people to live by in life, period. It's something that I kind of was inspired by from Michael Todd, except his is to be humble, open and transparent. I flipped it to being honest, open and transparent. And the reason why um, I flipped it to being honest is because (laughs) I believe that as a community, and especially as women, we've been humble too long. Um, And humble keeps people small in a certain aspect. That's not me saying, um, talking about people who are big headed or boastful, it's not that kind of energy. It's the energy that you humbly do great things and you don't even know how to celebrate your greatness, right? So in the light of being honest, open and transparent, Kirsty, I wanna ask you a question because one thing that I'm very clear of about mental health is how much of it literally exists in our head. And the reason why it has so much power over us is because we leave it in the dark. We leave it in the dark and we won't bring it to the light. Anything brought to the light, it doesn't have power anymore. And many of us go through traumatic experiences and we never really bring them up. We never really face them. We never really address them because essentially we've already gone through it once. We kind of don't want to go there again because it's too painful. So you said something happened. Are you able to share? You might not have to go into detail, but can you claim what happened? That was my morning reflection. So when I was eight, ten years old, my grandfather tried to sexually abuse me. I should say try, he did, but he also tried to rape me. Um, and I managed to stop it. I managed to say no before the actual act itself happened, even though there was things that happened beforehand, if that makes sense. Um, being quite young, um, I kept that to myself for a year, um, only because I thought in some way I was to blame. I thought I had some way asked for this without realising it. I thought I thought I was to blame. I thought that I'd 
done something wrong. And I didn't want to get into trouble. I didn't want to get told off. And I didn't want to hurt, like, my family either. Like, it's a big thing. Um, and even being quite young, I knew what kind of ramifications could be, it could mean. Um, so I carried that for a very, very, I'm still carrying some of it. I managed to release some of it this morning because I realised today I can speak about it, not a problem. The actual details of it and actually going back to it, however, in my head, I realised I didn't do that. I can actually speak about it without thinking about it, if that makes sense. I can just speak about it. But to actually think about the act, what happened, the series of events before and after, I did that this morning for the first time and... I can actually say I was brave. I can actually say I was brave. It takes a lot years old to say to someone that this has happened to you. Going through a whole court case, going through losing family, and what I found the depression carried on was because of what you said. There was an expected period of time people think that you should be in it or should be able to speak about it. And once the event itself is done or the um, ramifications or the, the punishment has been served, to everyone else, that's the be all, the end all, it's done. So I didn't feel like I had permission to talk about it after that point, after everyone else seemed to get over it and not want to bring it up. I felt like I couldn't talk about it, so I kept it to myself even after that, even after counselling. And the same with losing my son, Noah, it was a... I can't actually explain how many comments I've got saying, are you not kind of over that yet? And it's then, it puts you in a space of like, oh, okay. Oh, it puts me in a space where I say, oh, okay, um, I'm not supposed to still be thinking about this. I'm not still supposed to be talking about this. So to me, it does sit in your mind when you're not allowed, when you feel you're not allowed to bring it to the light because of other people. I love that. And whoa, Kirsty, that was very brave. Um... I commend you for sharing that level of your truth um, in such a public space, because that's not easy and neither is that comfortable. But also to people listening in the room, I want you to know that this is maybe a surface level of the type of stuff that comes up when you step into a space where you're given permission to be hot, because things have a hold on us. And sometimes we've held on to things that happened real small as a child and we've carried that throughout our whole life. We've made it mean something, we've created a story um, from all of that stuff, like Kirsty's just said, where she didn't feel she had permission to speak about it and people were judging the period that she should have healed essentially through it, um, through losing her child, through her sexual abuse. And so you don't have a safe space, if you like. And then when you finally do reach out to like counselling sessions, if any of you have ever had counselling, it very much is just giving you permission to talk. They're not necessarily giving you tools. They're not necessarily um, giving you things that when you leave that space, you're able to, if something comes up a few months or years down the line, you're then able to have a method or formula to dissect that thing, to understand that thing, to get to the root of that thing. And there's so much different methods of therapy and all are relevant. And you might need different methods of therapy in different seasons of your life. Um, something doesn't have to be wrong for you to seek therapy. It's just the fact that so much happens in our brain that we're unaware of. 
we're taking in so much all day, every day, and we're not always 100% clear on how we process that information. So what I love about what Kirsty's done through Elevate Space, and actually, Kirsty, if I would have asked you that question maybe six months ago, maybe even four months ago, guys, she wouldn't have answered it like that. You'd be correct. How would you have answered it, Kirsty? Yep, she would have cried through it. She probably wouldn't have been able to get it out. She might not have even answered the question because it had so much control over her. It was governing so much of her life. It was, it was the face of her identity in so much situations. It was like a coat that she was getting up and wearing every single day. And it was all, it, it's been stopping her from being her true self. And so I love the fact that you took the, the plug, literally the plug um, about understanding what depression and anxiety is on like, on a level with nothing attached to it. Anybody who's depressed and you ask them what they're really thinking, you will start to recognize the truth in that statement that she said depression is about being stuck in your past and anxiety is about worrying about your future. Just the same way when people have major anxiety attacks. And a lot of the time, again, people are not even conscious of what they're thinking. They're very conscious of what they're feeling and they can claim it as depression, anxiety, vertigo, stress, this, that, because the conversation has began about how we feel. But where is the conversation about how we think and how what we think is linked to how we feel? Because that is what's major. Kirsty, in my opinion, has had a strong um, connection with her feelings. Would I say, is that true, Kirsty? And how would you say the relationship with your thinking has been? I'm an overthinker, so it's toxic. Explain to us, what do you mean it's toxic? Um, at, one, at some point, you get, when you, thinking on a point is not toxic. Mulling it over, letting it pass like you learn in meditation is not toxic. When you start to pick it apart, when you need to know what it means, why the thought is then coming up, where that thought then stems from, and you start diving deep into something that should just be a passing thought, that's where everything else seems to spiral for me personally. And next thing you know, I could have just made a passing hello into somebody hating me and wanting to kill me. Like, it can get that deep. <laughs> wow. I love that. And so when Kirsty came into the space, that's something that I observed. I was like, these stories, like, what are those? And like many other people, she didn't understand it because your story is your story, right? It's your truth. It's the story that you've told for God knows how long. I'm telling you, put that story aside. Put that story away. You don't need to sit or stand on that story. And when you're in it, you can't hear it you can't feel it so I'm interested to know what has been the shift in you seeing your story different Kirsty 
or understanding your thinking differently. And I know it's a journey. I know you haven't fully arrived, but I know that you're not where you yeah. used to be. I would say that I've more grasped the concept of understanding my thinking. And don't get me wrong, old thought patterns come up. I'm still going through an old thought pattern right now. I'm avoiding and I'm resisting. But with the guidance of new information, being able to look at it differently makes me not do what I would normally do while in these spaces and that's where the difference kicks in so for example where I haven't been to exercise where my daughter's not very well at the moment I'm exhausted I'm doing longer hours and I've got every excuse under the sun for not doing what I need to do I would usually be sitting there beating myself up and that would amount to maybe three bed three bed days me just being in bed just for days I'd be in that space and actually recognize what's happening now and I couldn't do that before um so I'm better at my thinking, catching my thinking, changing it, still working on it. Motions, still working on them. Feelings, they're there, they're guidance systems. Um, I think I've got like my fear feeling down quite a bit where I know that that's fear stopping me from doing something that I just need to keep pushing through. Um, so I think I've come a long way. I've just got so much further to go and I'm okay with that because you like to explain it. We're onions, and there's many, 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 many layers to the one same thing. And I think I was just like, well, I've peeled back that layer now, cool. And then sat there three days later, Kirsty, what's your face about? I've got another layer of that damn same onion, and I didn't think it was done. Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it's a journey. I love that. But also, you said something really important there. You said that now you're able to recognise what you're thinking. Yes, I, I'm recognising what I think is a conscious decision. There are subconscious thoughts that come up, but once they do come up, it is my choosing on who either to continue them, take them further, nip them in the bud, like it is, it gets that deep. And I don't always have awareness, but do I act on my awareness half the time? I'll leave you to answer that. No, she does not. Nope, she does not. She's a very good, uh, she's very good at being ignorant, aren't you, Kirsty? <laughs> Some of us just can see things right in front of our face and we're our worst, biggest enemy because that's who we've been for so long. We've attacked ourselves for so long. We've abused ourselves for so long. We've disregarded ourselves for so long. We've counted ourselves out for so long that the path that's actually easier, which is to listen, which is to make a different decision, we fight to get on that path. Another thing that you mentioned, um, because we were talking about the thinking, because this conversation is really about mental health, but what's amazing is, would you say that you was controlled by your feelings? Um, I'm thinking about it already too much. There goes the um. I would say I still am, but... Love that. It's not always as intense as it used to be. It's not always with the same attachment or meaning that I place to it. So I feel like it's different. So how do you now get out of that space from letting them control it, control you to being open that you've actually got some kind of power? 
because was there a point before when you were struggling with your mental health these days in bed these days of these 45 minutes of anxiety attacks that you actually felt powerless I love that. So what's shifted? Um, trying things and seeing the difference. <laughs> simple. It is that simple. I can tools. I have um I have things that can help me move. So things like exercise. If anyone knows me that's in this room, Kirsty, exercise, no. Gym, no. But movement actually does help me shift my mind, shift my thinking. Um, and like I said, I'm very aware of things that actually do work for me. I'm not the best at always applying them because I don't know. I, I can't answer the resistance question yet. Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> what I do love, though, is the fact of how you've mentioned exercise. For many people... I realized the impact of exercise um, years ago, really, because I always grew up dancing. I always grew up in some kind of setting where I could express myself, where I could move, where I could just be. And when I got to my teenage years, where things started to kick in, you know, you get in relationships and apparently you start to feel this thing called your heart and um, you have these feelings that you've never had before. And I remember even like going to college, the intensity of college or university. And I would remember walking into dance class and feeling like it didn't even matter what the hell happened before. The minute that I stepped into that dance class, everything had disappeared, nothing mattered. It was just amazing. And so I always remember making a conscious thought that I need to dance for the rest of my life. But also life happened. So when I had my children and certain things shifted in my life, I thought at the time I didn't have the time to dance. And after a couple of months of sometimes experiencing funk, and when I say funk, like, yeah, not feeling my best self, not feeling great, feel like life is happening to me, not like I'm controlling it or creating it, or I'm even playing a part in the movie called life. I'm like, uh-uh, hell no. Nah. And I was missing dance and I would always bring dance back. So by the time that COVID hit, I thought, oh, shoot, no. These women have worked too hard. There is no way that we're stopping the dancing or the exercise classes. So many of you would have seen me run to Facebook. I done Facebook Lives pretty much every day. Um, and on top of doing Facebook Lives, I opened Raw Online, which I'd been wanting to do for ages, but I never did because I just thought I didn't have the time. But Raw Online is the exercise classes. And at first, the numbers were so high. They were high, they were high, they were high. Like, because it was COVID, people needed to stay inspired people needed to um keep doing what they loved and after like the first three months when we realized oh shoot the situation isn't changing you just saw people drop out drop out drop out they can't be bothered they ain't got the time this that they're tired yada 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 and the same way that people dropped out is the same way that their energy shifted their mentalities were not the same their thinking was not the same they're what they could do and what was possible was no longer there. there. 
Many people, because they don't like the gym or they don't like exercise, they don't have a relationship with it. But one thing that I teach in Elevate is about your bodies separately as they are collectively. So I will break down your mental body, your emotional body, your spiritual body, your physical body. And what many people don't know is sometimes when something is going on mentally, you need to shift to another body. So you need to work physically. Many people who suffer from depression and anxiety, the easiest thing for them to do is stay in their home. And what I say to them, get out. Why? Because when they physically move, when you physically change environment, it physically changes your mental state. Just like I made a statement last week, if you wake up and you're having headaches and migraines, clean. Why? Because it shifts your mindset from focusing on the headache and the pain and you move things physically in your environment. We are spiritual beings. We are vibrational beings having a physical experience. So our bodies pick up energy. We're in a school all this week. We're not tired because we're so tired. We're tired because of the energy that is coming out of these young people. It's not like the normal energy we get from young people. It's different. And it's pulling something out of us. Everybody doesn't understand the depths of how what, what this body, the physical part of it actually houses within it. And the more that you start to understand what is housed within this physical body, not only will you learn to move bodies, but you'll understand the power of movement and what it does for you mentally. Athletes have a strong mentality and guess what? Their body reflects their mental state. It's not the opposite way around. I'm going to say it again for the ones who didn't catch it. Their bodies, their physical body reflects their mental state. So if you're in the room right now, I'm going to ask a bold question. What does your physical body reflect about your current mental state? Or maybe the mental state that you've been in for the last five, six, seven years? of something going on with your mental state it has literally moved through three other bodies before it gets to your physical body we've had three indications if not more before it hits to a physical point of being able to catch it release it stop it acknowledge it whatever it means to you or needs to you to be able to say ah oh, and if you the quicker you can catch it in a different body before it hits a physical to me that would be winning um and I've probably suffered with the least amount of ailments since Level Up, and I did give a testimony in Level Up that I came to Level Up with a cyst, and by the end of Level Up, from all the releasing that I did, that cyst was gone. There was like three or four cases of antibiotics that I took that didn't shift that cyst, but I deep-rooted issues. It didn't come back, and it hasn't come back. Can we just take a moment for what she just said? We're in this room today talking about mental health, but let me just let me just let me just make it very clear. Like I just said, things manifest physically. If it's not something going on mentally, you best be damn sure it's something going on emotionally. And we don't have a relationship with those things, and then they manifest. As a result of doing a mindset course, she 
shifted assist. She's not the only one in our network that's shifted an actual illness. One woman came in with a brain condition. After two or three months, the brain condition was no longer there. She's had it for years. But some of y'all still won't seek the right guidance. You'll swallow pills and take medicine that is designed, you know what, let's not go there today. <laughs> let's not go there today. And also, just while we're on this topic, many people have walked into my rooms on um, antidepressants. I believe when Shanice speaks, she'll speak about it. Kirsty, was you on antidepressants? I stopped them real quick. I did not like being numb, but I made them for four weeks. <laughs> I did not like being numb. I told her no. I told my doctor three or four times no, which is why I was unable to go into the psychotherapy because I wouldn't complete the whole antidepressant plus counselling cycle because I knew those weren't for me. There was nothing you could tell me that was going to continue to get me to take them. So I used to pick up the prescriptions, dash them in the cupboard. Love that. Um, so many people walk in on antidepressants and mm, we get them off them real quick. We get them off them real quick. So please, when you guys get the pleasure of hearing these clubhouse rooms on a Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Monday morning, sometimes Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday evening, please understand this is the surface of what we're really doing behind the scenes. When I say people are being healed, it's not a joke. It's real. And what's so beautiful is most of the healing is done through conversation. Imagine. Imagine. Shanice, Kirsty, thank you so, so, so much for sharing. I know you might have to go soon. Shanice, do you have anything to say in relation to what Kirsty said? Um, yeah. Um, well, with me and Kirsty, we've been through like, a lot of similar things. So I completely... like understand and get where she's coming from when she was talking about the bodies and um you know you have to go through certain bodies before it hits the physical body um i know for a fact i am a living testimony about how many times i have ended up with a cyst on my eye or a bloody um back pain or whiplash in my neck or some sort of something and um i was just gonna say thank you for showing us about the beautiful bible of louise hay that that um, lets us know why these things happen and the um, right affirmations to say and i just want to say to Kirsty, like really big up yourself because um it's not easy speaking your truth it's not easy digging into the past and bringing out those things and you're just doing an amazing job and I just want to let you know you are amazing girl you're just amazing thank you queen and you know what I just realized today is the first time I've shared from power <laughs> yep Kirsty can tend to share from her pain um but she shared her pain in a powerful way and that's the place that I want people to be at. I don't want us to be consumed by our stories that we're not able to move past them, that we're not able to use them. One thing that I always try to encourage everybody to do is to turn their pain into purpose. There's a reason that only you went through that thing. And you know what's so powerful? Many of us believe we're the only person that's gone through something. Yet when we actually have the courage, and I will say courage, to share our truth, 
there's a million people in the room that go oh my god that was me that was me that was me that was me you just spoke my truth you just spoke my truth thank you for setting me free thank you for showing me that I can get past this thank you for being a light in the darkness and that's why I always encourage people to open your throat chakra it's so important I can't explain how many things especially in Shanice has been on a journey with me for over a year now Kirsty's isn't a year quite yet but Shanice oh my god I don't know what stuff she didn't have for I'm talking from whiplash to neck pain to back pain to knee pain oh the list went on <laughs> the list went on and I was just like no 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 what is this what is this what are we claiming that's not me saying that you're not experiencing those things, but I want you to start to ask yourself, why are you experiencing those things? What is showing up that you're not addressing? What is showing up that you're not facing? What is showing up that you're not willing to heal? Because our bodies are flipping the most amazing computers in the world. Not only do they give us signs, pain, pay attention inside now, but they also allow us to heal. If something came from nothing, you guys have got to understand, if something in your body came from nothing, guess what, guys? It can go back to nothing. It absolutely can. And the crazy thing is, many of us believe in our sicknesses, believe in our pain, believe in our struggle, believe in our trauma, more than we believe in the possibility that can be healed. more than we believe in the possibility that it can go back to nothingness. And I just don't want us to be those people anymore. So Kirsty, thank you very much. If anybody in the audience has any questions for Kirsty, please do, um, you can post us by pressing that arrow in the bottom of the right-hand corner and we'll answer them for you or any questions for me or you're welcome to put up your hands and come to the stage. Um, if not, we're going to start to chop with Shanice. Kirsty, is there anything else that you would like to say? Okay, cool. Um, just Sorry. thank you for the opportunity to speak. As um, much as I was scared to do it, once speaking, um, I see why it's so important to actually do this. I, for anyone in the audience knows, I will avoid the state, especially since my mum's been coming to Clubhouse a bit more and being the voice of the family, kind of sleeping there to do her thing. However, what has come to me just from being able to do that, and I've told the story before, and I've told it, and I'm going to say it again, but um, I just want to say thank you for the platforms that you open, to the doors that you open, the conversations that you have. There are people that will go away from this. They might not say anything, but they may never comment. And I would have been one of those people had you not come into my inbox those eight months ago. Um, but I know how much this is helping. Um, so I just want to say thank you. You're so welcome. And honestly, I one day I will go back to that first message that I sent you. I actually reached out to Kirsty and said, look, I think I can help you. And um, she kind of had a sense that I was coming for her. <laughs> And trust me, I the way my Facebook is set up, I don't see anything. So I'm a feeler. I feel things. I, I, I feel people and I feel things. And um, as a result of that conversation at the time, Kirsty, you wasn't working, right? Yeah, that was correct. I, I was working at the time we had the conversation. It was shortly after that I was made redundant and I came back saying, I don't know if I'd be able to elevate. And you basically said, do you trust the process? And I'm like, what is this what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, so she said yes, and then she lost her job, and she was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to pay. I can't do it. I can't commit. And I just said, do you trust the process? I said, I got a feeling after this, you're going to have a new job. You're going to have this. You're going to have that. Kirsty, did you get a new job as a result of being in Level Up? I'm just saying, guys, I'm just saying when you're really ready to do the work and you're really ready to be receptive to the tools and the processes, I will say with my chest, your whole life will change. I'm not talking about little sectors. I'm not talking about, listen, if anybody has struggled with mental health, to come out on the other side of that and, and speak powerfully about it and be able to encourage or help other people, that's not easy. Just as much as if you've struggled with health and different things, many people kind of um, can stay there for a long time. Kirsty's come into the room, she's believed in the stuff and don't get me wrong, Kirsty does be cutting up her eye at me, cussing, doing whatever, 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 it's cool. Um, but she's still doing the work. And so I just want to Queen salute you and thank you so much. <laughs> okay girl it's okay um and yeah at the minute she's taken a journey of individual coaching as well um because the group coaching is different the group coaching brings a lot to the forefront and I personally love group coaching but at the same time I do encourage some people to get individual I encourage everyone to have individual coaching if you don't have a therapist get one I literally would encourage the world to have a therapist um because it's just important that you can have a space to go through stuff with, clear stuff with, um, be present to things with, I have a coach. Um, and so, yes, it fundamentally changes your life. I think Miss Tina's come to the stage to offer you something. Grand evening. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Miss Kirsty Ann, oh my goodness. If you see how I'm here smiling, so proud, so proud, so proud. I'm so proud, Kirsty. And when you said that you shared from a place, a place of power, you sure did. And I just know, you know, some of the journey that you've been on. And I'm just seeing you taking those strides like what Tanya asked us to do. And I'm just here sending you the most kisses, hugs, queen salute, everything. I'm just so proud of you. Just wanted to let you know. Thank you, Mama. You, um, you're a lot of um, the wind beneath my wings so I'm able to do these things. So thank you. You do that all by yourself. You just believe that it's me. <laughs> you do it all by yourself, Kirsty. But honestly, I'm so proud. And the state of your mental health, the clarity that you're getting right now, that's just, you know, it's so beautiful because any one of those situations that you spoke about could possibly knock people off, off for a long time. So you had some stuff to deal with, but you're dealing with it and you're living through it. And at one point you probably thought you couldn't, but hey, look at you girl doing it. One of the six say that. Hey, girl, look at you doing it. 
So, yeah, I'm just so proud, Kirsty. Keep the work up. I love Thank that. You so much. And can I just say for the room, Kirsty was told she was going to do this room 10 minutes before we came up. <laughs> and she's here. I love that. Thank you so much, Kirsty. Miss Shaniqua, what's good, Queen? Grand evening, grand evening. So, Miss Shanice, tell us why you felt that this room was important for you to do, and yeah, just really what you've been going through. So, um, on Sunday, the lovely Claudie, Miss CC, did a room that absolutely blew my mind. Um, it just came from such a beautiful place and it just gave me because everyone's been doing rooms and they were speaking their truth and I felt my god I've been going through something for the past god knows how long well I won't say I'm currently going through it but it's been an off and on thing with me um, with my mental health and I don't can you not guys hear me yeah we got you girl okay um yeah, so it's been an on and off thing with my mental health. Like, why not talk about it? Because people talk about it, but they don't talk about it. And I work in a GP surgery, and as a lot of phones here, sorry, um, that does that, because you can hear that. Um, I get a lot of phone calls where they um, talk about, but these are calling in about their mental health, um, suicides. Uh, attempts at suicide, self-harming, um, you know, things like that. And I just thought, you know what? I'm someone that has been there and I feel like I should talk on it. I love that. So tell us, how has your journey been through mental health? Oh, God. <laughs> it's been very up-down. Um, I probably started with depression when I moved to uni in Chichester. Um, I, I, I don't know what possessed me to go to the farthest uni, um, but I was very far away from my family, never lived on my own before, never been around um, you know, other people besides my people. Um, and I started getting very depressed and um, because I'm not very, I'm not really a person that likes to talk about the bad times, I kept a lot of things inside and I started um, over drinking, over eating, um, just really was just the complete opposite of the cheese that everybody else knew. got you I just was going to pick up the point on what you said on the start of you self-harming so what led you to the decision to self-harm because I feel like in the generation below us this is like a normal thing it's it, it's in my judgmental self not Tanya the coach it is like why are people seeking attention do you understand but hurting themselves so for you 
what was going on in your mind that made self-harming okay? When I was in uni, I was with a guy that was very controlling and very um, manipulative. Manipulative? I can't speak. Um, I don't know. I was really lonely. I didn't. I didn't. I had friends in uni, but I didn't have anyone that I really felt like I could really lean on. I think I just got to a stage, or I was just looking in the mirror, and I noticed that I had put on, like, I think probably about, like, three stone. I just hated looking at myself in the mirror, and, you know, when you just have this burning pain in you, like, I had this pain, and I just really wanted that pain to go away, but I didn't have the full guts to, like, want to kill myself. I just looked at some scissors, and I just started cutting, and when I cut, Every time I slashed my wrist, I literally felt as if the pain was going away. It was like the pain that I was feeling in my heart was disappearing every slash. And I, when I mean I hacked away at my arm, sorry, TMI, but I hacked away at my arm. It was so bad um, to the point where... Um, the people in my um, that lived in the house with me had to remove all the knives and all the scissors and everything from the house, um, so I didn't have any access to it because of how bad I had to play at my arm. I literally just wanted to feel the pain somewhere else other than my heart, if that makes sense. Wow. I love that. It must sound so weird when people hear me saying I love that to, to things that are not nice. But the reason why I say I love that is because we don't often address the pain that we're carrying. We might know it's there and we just want to get rid of it. We don't necessarily want to deal with it. We don't want to ask it no questions. We don't want to tap into where it's even coming from. We just want it to go. And what Shanice and Kirsty are doing right now is so brave. And it's not only brave for them just to speak their truth, but I just want to say statistically for the black community to have this level of conversation and talk about mental health in this way, we're still not there yet. We're still not accepting that this is the level of pain that some of our children carry. This is the level of pain that our siblings carry. This is the level of pain that our parents, uncles, aunts, people carry. And sometimes when we're just sitting on the sidelines, like, why are they doing that? They should know better. Is that really helping? And actually, even sending them to get advice, I just want to say sometimes that doesn't help. Because although they know something is wrong, it doesn't necessarily mean they're ready to accept something is wrong or something's not, not right, should I say, something doesn't feel good. And so they're in a battle of dealing with it by themselves and seeking help. But what feels easier is just to do something that's gonna cause them more pain. That's the irony of it. 
what I find very interesting is Shanice um I believe that you found healing through things that we've been doing through mindset level up and elevate but I say everything comes full circle because who was one of the first people that observed your self-harm in a picture And I think what's interesting to say is there's been many chapters throughout life where parts of the way that me, Shanice and her siblings and our siblings have grown up, we're literally like siblings because of how close our parents are. Um, and there's seasons where we're further apart because everyone's cracking on or gone to uni, whatever the case may be. And there's seasons where we're super close. And what's interesting is when we take on the role as being teachers, and we were young when we took on the role as being teachers to these guys, they were young too. And some of the stuff that we were dealing with, we didn't really know, we didn't really have the education to, um, or what should I say, the professionalism, if you like, but we had experience to notice certain things. And there's been times where we've either addressed the student or we've addressed the parents and oh my God, guys, we have been beaten down. <laughs> but I say that to say, I think at that time, just by Cece having that conversation with you, it kind of made you think, shit, what I'm doing isn't really in the dark. It's been noticed. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely. And so going from that journey where you were self-harming, um, how did you get out of that journey or how long did that continue for? Uh, um, I think, I, I think I, I've only ever self-harmed probably about off and on about five times. Um, and I think that was when I was if I wasn't self-harming as in cutting myself, I was self-harming as in I was drinking myself stupid, or I started taking certain drugs, or I would overeat, um, kind of thing. So I might not have been self-harming as in always cutting, but I have always been self-harming in other ways. I love that. So how did you get out of the cycle of stopping that? Or when did it stop? How long did it take you? What have you done? What support did you have? What helps you get through that cycle? So, um, I don't think I've... I've only started stopping since I started Mindset. Um, mindset really um, started to address some of the things... So, um, I stopped, I was on, because I was also on um, antidepressants as well, and um, the antidepressants would kind of make you so numb to things, so overeating wouldn't look like it was a bad thing because I was just so numb to my feelings or over drinking, so I think ever since I started Mindset, it has been such a big change for me where I've, I've stopped the tablet, so I've no longer I've been tablet free for the past year. Um, I don't overeat, I don't overdrink. Uh, I, I'm not gonna lie, but it's not I, I, I can drink, but I wouldn't, it 
it wouldn't be a thing where I'm drinking every weekend or I'm drinking every day. There was a period I would actually drink every single day. It's no word of a lie. I don't even know how the hell I afforded it because I was not working, but I was drinking every single day. Did any of this increase during um, COVID-19? Not the over-drinking, but the over-eating did for sure in the beginning. I was sitting on my ass and I was eating continuous takeaways for a good, maybe like a good like month until I actually looked in the mirror and I was like, what the fuck? Like, what the actual fuck? Look at the state of it. Not even the state of you, the state of me, because I literally was not even the last person. It was horrendous. And I think, I think that was the time, I'm sure that was the time when you approached me for, um, to do mindset. And actually, I don't think it was even supposed to do mindset first. I think it was to approach me to do exercise. Yeah. 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 So I started doing exercise and then started doing mindset. And I think ever since then, I, I'm not going to lie and say that I don't need takeaways or anything because that is a whole shit lie. Sorry for my language. But I, um, it's not the way how it was before. It wouldn't be like a whole day of takeaway kind of thing. It would be like, you know what, once a week I can have a takeaway kind of thing. Not every single day have a takeaway. So what I think is interesting in both of your stories is all of these, I don't know, these thoughts that you're having, this level of pain that you're experiencing, the way it manifests physically is absolutely crazy. But have you, did you have counselling, therapy, um, any kind of support? prior because I think what's alarming to me is you only started level up not even level up what was it first mindset last year and you just said you stopped self-harming last year and this is what I feel like when you say people talk about mental health but they don't talk about mental health like we're around people every single day that appear normal do you get what I mean and not to say mental health isn't normal what I'm trying to say is we just say, hey, how are you doing? They say, I'm all right. And they go about their business. We don't really ever tap into like, seriously, how are you? You know, as in to say, is there anything I could help you with? Is there anything I can support you with? Is there any way that, you know, we can actually really help people? And so when you say that stepping into mindset helped you shift, what was it?
love this and I tell you why I love it because you just said something so powerful that people in the room might not understand there is a tool which I give and it's really about accepting um releasing and replacing but there's a major part that goes in that tool which is the forgiveness and many of us don't do that. Many of us skip the forgiveness part. Better yet, we don't accept what we've been through. And until we can accept things, we really can't move past them. Many people have awareness. And you will hear me say many times in these rooms, awareness is key. But awareness is one level of it. Accepting things and then going, you know what? I have the power to forgive. It allows you to release. But the way that our brains actually function, not only are they there to protect us, right? So hence why when we go to do something new, they go, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. no, no, computer says no, because it hasn't got that level of knowledge and it hasn't got that level of information in yet. Um, but they also are also looking for things. So when you take something out, it's looking for something. So we put something back in. And this is what a lot of people don't understand. So when they do the releasing, the reason why things keep coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back is because they haven't replaced it with something more positive, something bigger. When you hear me talking, I talk a lot about when we shift and change, we develop new identities of ourselves, And within these new identities comes new habits. And when we develop these new habits, we're developing new evidence to support this new identity. But when people are not paying attention to this level of identity, what happens is you're in this new identity with your old ways, your old habits, your own thinking. And so it's not that you're not changing, it's just that you're holding on to the old stuff. So guess what? It's like the old identity. So when you step into, a, into this, um, new identity and again it's not necessarily that we're being anything other than what we are no we're just taking off the cloaks we're just taking off the layers so when we release them we have to have evidence to support this new identity hence why affirmations work when you know how to use them 
Hence why mirror work does wonders when you know what you're doing. Hence why the environments that you're in have a major effect on how you choose to be as a person, because we could all change, we can all transform. But the thing is, we change and transform and go back to the old environment. Guess what happened? The old habits come in. The old beliefs kick in. So before you know it, we're back in the old identity. This is why these things are so important. And I pray for those of you that are listening and have been listening to these rooms, you're hearing the stuff in real life. We're not talking abracadabra magic stuff, although we are talking abracadabra magic stuff, but we're also talking people that are prepared to do the work. People that are tired of being tired and doing whatever it takes. And if you're ever privileged to join what, the majority of people have called a Sister Saturday, girl, they get slapped up. I don't go to Sister Saturdays because sometimes when the coach is in the room, everybody comes in with their perfection self, if you like. But when I'm not in the room, they can just be. And what we don't realize as human beings in our beingness to people that do not have awareness, we think we're just being, and yet I can see all these layers on you. So what's interesting is, as we're starting these conversations on guidance and we're bringing up the real people from the space to have these conversations through their journeys with whatever they're pushing through, battling, fighting, overcoming, healing, releasing, whatever it is, these two, Shanice and Kirsty, I approach them both. I don't normally approach people. I approach them because I had a sense that there was something in them that I could support them shifting. Now, Shanice herself and her parents have approached me years ago to help her in different ways. And we might have tried, didn't quite work out. And I've said to them, you know what? When Shanice is ready, I'll be here. But Shanice has to be ready. Shanice has to be ready. Because I don't do the work for anybody. Your parents can't do the work for you. Your, your spouse, your partner, your children, everybody you love can't do the work for you. You've got to decide that your life is worth more. You've got to decide that you're not going to wake up every single day and have a battle in your mind. And so I love the fact that you said counseling, talking therapy, they're good for one level of thing. But if you're really ready to shift and move and take responsibility, talking it out is one level doing the actual work to understand why it's happening, what is happening, what can happen if it keeps happening. That's a different level. Psychotherapy is completely a different level. And a lot of the stuff that I do has a strong element of psychotherapy in it. It's about rechanging the whole functioning of the mindset so it doesn't even necessarily function in the way that it did before both of these people had strong beliefs that their circumstances their current situations was the only reality that they were going to live in for the rest of their life and that's the truth about mental people mental people you know that was so rude about people struggling with mental health they don't have an outlook Neither do they feel supported in the way that their mind processes information. 
Um, Kirsty, did you want to say something on what Shanice was saying? I heard you bring something up. If anybody in the audience wants to come up and ask any questions at any time, please do. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, I was saying, um, Shanice is speaking about what it is about going into mindset that helped her stop doing what she was doing or brought more awareness to it. I didn't join mindset, but I joined Level Up. Um, and in a similar way, because it is group coaching, there were a lot of mirrors. There was, what, 20, 20 of us? There were a lot and a lot of mirrors. Every single person reflected some form of facet of myself, whether that be the person I wanted to be, whether that was the person I was and wanted to shift, whether that was parts of myself that I liked. Just having other people to identify with was enough for me to not want to continuously be in the state of depression or anxiety. And I didn't touch on it before, and it's not to take away from Shanice's story, but what I didn't mention is that I went through a lot of similar substance abuse that she did as well when I was going through depression and things like that. And that's just a whole absolute another ball game. In regard to her and myself, I had those thoughts, but I could never actually go through with the act itself. But the thought alone was enough. Um, so I think she's extremely brave for sharing. Um, again, from your power, we've been through more similar experiences than I care to think. But how we both come through the other side and continue to keep pushing, I applaud us both, but Queen salute you. Honestly, I, I commend you guys for just being in this space and sharing your truths. Gary, I've seen you come to the stage, grand evening. I did mute you because we had a lot of background noise from you. Um, I hope you can unmute because I think before you had a problem with your mic. Can you unmute? Otherwise, let me check if I can unmute you, which I can't. <laughs> um, Gary, did did our mum did Gary not have a mic on his phone or something last time? I think that's what he was saying. But Gary, right down at the bottom, like it says, leave to the left, and there's a plug of scissors and a little mic. I'm if gonna just um, that, I'm gonna send you a picture. Oh, there you go, Gary. Hello. Yeah, there you go. We can hear you. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we yeah. got you. Okay, cool. Evening, everybody. Grand evening. I was about to say, I wasn't going to get no evening back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about leaving hanging. Denise, how you doing, darling? I'm okay, darling. You okay? You're good. I'm, I'm, I'm well, thank you very much. Um. Okay, so I didn't want to ask any questions. You know, uh, me and Shanice have touched on um, things, you know, over a, a period of time. So I, I have a, an insight to how things have been for her, but obviously you never, you never fully know. So what I just wanted to bear witness to the, the strides that she's taken and how far she's come. You know, she's done really well um, and she's pushing through. And the amount of times I see her push through, I just want to, I just want to get to that point where she doesn't have to push through anymore. You know, she, she's there, you know, but that's her journey. So what I wanted to do was just talk from the other side, because um, 
I know I can remember from the beginning when Shanice was going through this stuff. Um, when she was at uni and we used to talk and we talked then and um, the relationship that she talked about that she was in then that was, you know, causing um, issues and stuff like that. I can remember all of those times. And what I would say to any parent that witnesses this kind of thing or hears their child talk about this kind of thing is whatever you do, once you once you hear that, don't take your eye off the ball. You know, you've got to you've got to kind of talk things through, um, really try and you know if 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 you think she needs or she or he, um, your child needs some kind of help, you've got to you know recommend that to her. Obviously, as as Tanya said, one hundred and fifty five percent, she's got to be ready. Um, or they, obviously I keep, I keep referring it back to one person, but they have got to be ready. Um, but I, I think from my point of view, what I did at the time is I, I kept taking my eye off the ball. You know, you, you see that time when they're all right and you think, mm, you know, they'll, you know, they'll probably get over that themselves. You kind of even liken it to yourself because I can remember times when I was having, I would say, you know, as a younger guy growing up, you have your own issues as well, and those uh, those same insecurities and those same problems, and the, and you got over it. So you think she'll get over it, or he'll get over it, or but you never know another person's journey. So and you never know what they're really going through. So I would just say to anybody who sees not necessarily just their child, but any child that they know or anybody that they can help. Just never take your eye off the ball because you never know how far it can spiral or how far it can go. You know, um, with Shanice, it's a it's a it's a constant battle. But do you know what I see now? I see her winning, and that is you can be proud just for that. You know, it's the, the battle. Sometimes is is you know it could be years, decades. You know, before you win. But you, if you keep if you keep pushing and you keep saying today's going to be a better day, I'm, I'm, you know, and strive for that queenship that you guys are doing, you know, you can always uh, you can get there. It's about it's about looking for the positive and really trying to keep that that negative. Understand that negative, but don't walk towards it. You always try and walk away from it. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I just wanted to to bear witness to how well she's done. Um, I just wanted to bear witness to the work that uh, the mindset, uh, shall I call them the mindset crew? Yeah, let's do that, the mindset crew. <laughs> um, I just want to bear witness to the work they've done because I know that me, my support alone, her mum's support alone, her family's support alone is one thing. But when she gets that, that real that real sisterhood support it's really worked for her and she really she really walks on that um she really walks on top of that so um that's all i wanted to do with i just wanted to bear witness in that sense in that regard i love that and the reason why i love it gary do you mind if i ask you a question because um I personally feel like whether even my siblings know it or not or my parents know it 
I believe I've got more than one sibling that struggles with mental health. And um, I often wonder if as parents, sometimes you blame yourself. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And what's interesting is it's so hard to witness people you love struggle with things that they can't necessarily sometimes put into words. They can't necessarily depict the pain at the time. Do you understand? Or even what it looks like or where it's come from or yada, yada, yada. And for me personally, especially with the work that I do, I've struggled because I'm like, I'm crazy enough to believe I can help everybody. I can save everybody. I can, I know I can, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I can always help them. I can always save them from some of their decisions or choices. Um, but I've had to learn that it really is their story and it is their journey. And if my role is to support, then that's what my role is. Do you get what I mean? It might not be to solve. It might not be to heal. It might not be Bob the Builder fix it. But I don't want to live in blame. I don't want my parents to live in blame. And I don't want any parent to live in blame because it's their journey, it's their story. And at the end of the day, we can't prevent everything. We can't, um, do you get what I mean? Put sponges around our children and hope that that's gonna fully protect them. So I just would like to know how as a parent, I love that you said keeping your eye on the ball, but emotionally and mentally for you, how do you deal with um, supporting it? It's, it's, it's funny you say that thing about about blame um, and you shouldn't live in blame. It's, it's a real weird one, you know, because although, although I blame myself, I don't I don't beat myself up over it. It's a blame. It's so much of a blame. It's, a, it's an acknowledgement, you know. So it's more yeah, like taking responsibility than blame. Yeah, that's the one. Right. That's the one. Yeah, I, you know, um, I understand that I've carried certain stuff myself. So because I've carried certain stuff myself without really knowing it, so what do I do? Do I turn around and blame my mum for that? Do I turn around and blame uh, my circumstances for that? No, you know, it's just knowing that there was a point where I had... Uh, you know, I had my issues and I didn't deal with them as well as I could. So I passed some of my uh, baggage down. And that's where I, that's what I acknowledge and that's what I take responsibility for. With regards to how I handle it is, is that's, a, that's all availability for me. You just make yourself available 24 7, 365. Yeah, you just make yourself available all the time. If she needs me, she knows. She just picks up the phone. She calls me. Now the problem is, you know, I'm more like a band-aid. I'm more like a plaster. I can help stem the flow, but I can't heal the wounds. That's going to take a lot of work. Now that work isn't going to be, isn't going to come from me. It's going to come from her. So the main thing is. 
you know, be available all the time, check in all the time, make sure she's okay. Sometimes give her her space when she's okay. Don't just don't overcrowd her, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I just, and do the best you can, you know, do the best you can be the best, um, father friend that you can be, but you know, also no, I can only do what I can do. Don't take too much burden on yourself because if you take too much burden on yourself, guess what? You will, you can break. You can break. And if you break, you're no good to whoever it is you're trying to help. So, you know, as I say, I'll just, I just do the best I can. Give, give 100% availability to her. Support her in every way I can. If, it's some, if there's something I can do, I do it. If there's something I can't do, I try to do it, but I don't, um, you know, I just try never to let her down. And that's, and that's the best way I can uh, go about that. I love that. Thank you so much for coming to the stage to support her and also just to um, rally behind her. Um, I really think that what you do for especially Shanice, and I'm sure you probably do it for the rest of your children, but we get to witness it in this space with Shanice, is the level of public support, the level of, we've, we've seen the videos where you're out boxing with her, we've seen the videos where you're there walking with her, and, and I just think those things go a long way, like it just goes a long way, and honestly, your children are adults, you know, you could be the parent that says, you know, I've done my job, like let them crack on, but you don't, you're still very invested in their lives. You're still very present to what they're going through and experiencing at the time. And honestly, that's just commendable. It's just absolutely beautiful to see. Thank you, Merci. Miss Shanice, um, oh, go ahead. Gary 
as a father, I just like the way that he avoids the breakdown. Like he, he does what needs to be done. He doesn't wait until it's a crisis. Like Gary puts in that active kind of contact and care and assurance. He applies, you know, that right kind of care. And I would say not just to his daughter, I would say as a friend, you know, one of the things whenever Gary speaks to me, he says, you don't sound all right, are you okay? He has that kind of listening that knows if something is off. Um, so, so often we wait until that strong friend, that strong daughter, that strong son, we wait until they're in crisis before we actually even notice that, hold on a minute, am I putting in due care? And we've been speaking a lot this week about what vision do we have for our life? What vision do we have for things? And, you know, Gary has a beautiful way of supporting Shanice along her way and not from a forcing or a, he's very careful and caring. So I really want to acknowledge that in you, Gary. And, uh, you know, as the man, them, I, I really see that you do that to everybody. Um, and I personally feel that kind of care from you as a friend and I really, really, truly appreciate it. So my question again, Tanya, is seeking guidance on our mental health. So before people had to go through what I went through, one minute I'm the strongest woman on planet Earth and next minute I'm broken, I'm down. I, don't, I didn't even know how I got there. If I look back in hindsight, I would have seen the emotional signs. I would have seen that I couldn't sleep, I was troubled, I was unsettled, all of that kind of thing. But I didn't, I didn't think it was going to get to the point that it did. So when we're seeking guidance on our mental health, so I heard like Kirsty saying about exercise, and I constantly am involved in exercise now four times a week, and it does, 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 does play a big difference to my mentality, to my attitude, to my endurance. So I, I can see that really does help. But is there anything else that you would be telling us to look at? I personally would say, and this is going to be sound blouse to some of you guys, but what you will notice when people are, before they have a major mental breakdown or when they are mentally breaking down, that loneliness, that isolation, that wanting to be left alone, that I can figure it out, mm -mm, pay attention to that. Because the cure to a lot of things is connection. The cure to depression is connection. The cure to a lot of things is connection. And we don't really understand this connection thing. We don't even understand why our youth, let me tell you guys something right now. I, I've been working in school since 11 years old, okay? That's over 20-something years teaching, 20-something years. And this week, we're in two schools, and I have never, ever, ever in my 20-something years of teaching seen this level of disconnection, this level of not being able to express or communicate this level of not being able to just be without being diagnosed with something. What is happening? 
How is it that prospectively we live in a more socially connected world, yet everybody is disconnected? How is it that we walk into homes and there's no conversation anymore? What are these things that are children? What child do you know that can't pick up a phone or iPad and swipe and click and do whatever it is that they want to watch and they could watch it for hours? What have we forgotten about nature and how nature can nurture? What have we forgotten about presence, physical presence? Oh, y'all still don't understand the plan, do you? You don't understand what really happened over the last year. And so what I'm saying is, it was vital for me when I went into last year in the pandemic, especially by the time we went into the second season, around November, December, I said a plug when I was doing my manifestation parties before I did level up. Um, I was saying to everybody, stay connected, especially through the winter seasons, because personally, you might be going through a season of hibernation, but it is vital that you stay connected because when you're in isolation, not just physically, but I mean isolation in your mind, things get real loud. And when they get loud, the voices that you're not accustomed of hearing, it could be the pure divine voice. It could be the pure divine voice of your highest guidance, guiding you to something, but the voice sounds and feels familiar. You don't know how to process that. You don't know how to process it. And so you start getting scared of it as much as it could be the voice of fear, the voice of doubt the voice of discouragement. And this is why when you stay connected to people, the right people, the people that can help you, elevation is about staying connected to people that can help you grow. There will be a people that can form a circle around you and support you. I mean, really support you. Not support you by saying, girl, don't worry about what you're going through. Let's go to the pub. I'm not talking about that support. And we have to be honest with ourselves and recognize that that's how a lot of our friends know how to address us. Your man cheats on you, he leaves you. Your woman's run around with the paper boy. Guess what? Your boys come around, they pick out, what's the do? They pull out the cups, y'all start drinking. Oh, because that's when you can talk your truth, right? What about getting around people that give you permission to talk your truth anyways? And not only do they give you permission, they give you support. It's so funny that you spoke about tools because it landed in my spirit earlier that I actually need to do a room on tools. Because what happens with tools is it's like having a bag of things that you can pull out when you need them. That's what the space gives you. It gives you things that you can pull out when you need them. Again, many of us don't know what we need. But as a part of being a part of the space, you get introduced to having awareness about what you need. And then when you know what you need, you've also got tools that support you to do that. If many people who struggled with mental health did something as simple as started journaling, do you know how much their life would shift? Because the truth of the matter is, it's just a lot of things going on in their head that they won't bring to the forefront. 
if many people seek counsel, they would be able to talk through some things, process through some things, let go of some things, be more aware of some things. But again, it's been able to come to that place of acceptance that says, do you know what? This is what I'm struggling with. And I can't get past this alone and I'm not prepared to do this alone anymore. I need some help. Many of us don't know how to ask for help. So it gets too much. The strong people, we don't ask for help. Y'all heard what I said? I didn't say they don't. I said, we don't. And it's so vital what Gary said. There's certain people, then there's only, I can count them on one hand, that will go out of their way to call me or message me and say, T, are you good? And not because anything's wrong, but just because they are fully aware that, you know what? Your strong friends need to be checked on too. The people that serve you and give to you and guide you, they need to be checked on too. And because many of us are needy, so we just take, 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 take. We don't even know what it's like to give that support. We don't know what it's like anymore to pick up a phone and say, hey, how are you? We don't know what it's like to say, can you meet me for a coffee? Not because you need anything, but just because you want to check on someone just because you want to check in, just because you want to support. We wait until they hit rock bottom and then we all run. You see them friends that did that for me? I'll cut them off. I don't like them friends. Many of my friends were coming when I hit rock bottom. Mm -mm, I don't like them friends. So you got to know what you, you got to start to understand that asking for help is powerful. When you want to go into that space of being lonely and isolating, mm -mm, it's not always great. Stay connected. And that's not me saying you can't spend time. We all know silence is powerful. Being alone is powerful. But also recognize when you're doing it from a great place and when you're doing it from a place of running away. I hope that kind of answers the question. Does it, Tina? Okay, maybe her phone is stopped. Oh, great. So we've got someone new in the room and welcome to the stage, Fleur. I can't say your name. I don't want to pronounce it wrong. Flora Ment. My actual name is Allison. Oh, <laughs> what's this name? I, I really liked everything that you just said and I'd like to um, add on to, the, to a few points that you made if I could. Absolutely, go ahead. So uh, the first thing that came to mind was uh, you were mentioning our youth and um, how you've worked in the education system for over 20 years um, and how you're kind of you're noticing right now that um, a lot of children are having difficulties communicating and connecting with one another. Um, something interesting is that even before COVID, there were studies showing that there is a link um, to technology and teenagers using their phones and their level of empathy um, because they are constantly connecting to their peers using technology. They are lacking in the awareness um, of uh, facial expressions, body language, um, because they're rarely, they're not 
face to face as much as we as we used to be. So um, youth is actually ranking uh, statistically as being lower in empathy than average. Um, and it really worries me because um, of the pandemic. I can only imagine how much more things are going or things have been um, complicated um, in that regard. Uh, and then I also wanted to mention how you said to check on uh, your strongest friend. Um, I 100% agree with that. And I think that it's interesting because um, we like we all like to view ourselves as compassionate people who um, care so deeply about our friends and care about other people. You know, I feel like everywhere you turn, people are calling themselves em empaths. But um, when you think about it, why don't we feel guilt for not reaching out in the first place? Why do we only feel the guilt? once someone has done something harmful to themselves. Oh my God, one second, selfish. one second. That's amazing. Yeah. That's actually amazing. Um, I just want to just kind of go in on that point because that's what is so incredible. And this is why I always say to people when they go on a job, because as well, we're living in an era where everybody's on self-love and everybody's on being... Um, awakened and like you said been an empath yet people are so selfish and that's one thing that I've never understood there is no way that you can love yourself deeply and not feel or be connected or even aware of what other people are going through like it's impossible and this is when I say that many people speak a good game but they don't live it and you just need to look at their actions to see it your actions reveal who you are and your actions and your language reveals who you are all of the time. And the point that you made just before about the studies, I also believe that the whole of society is becoming desensitized to things because so much is in our face. You can go onto Facebook and see a load of dead bodies and it's almost like nothing anymore. So we don't have the same level of empathy because apparently now we need to be strong. We need to be strong. We need to be strong. And that's another reason why I have a problem personally with the whole strong context of things. Because you can be strong and show emotion. You can be strong and caring. Strong doesn't mean being emotionless. Just wanted to add that. I completely agree. Um, the, some of the strongest people that I know are also the ones that are able to be the most vulnerable. You know, I think a lot of people view a lot of the or can see a lot of the circumstances, hear about a lot of the circumstances that I've gone through, and they could say, you know, oh, she's she's strong, she's been through a lot, she's resilient. But I will also admit that I'm not the most vulnerable person. And so when I see vulnerable people, to me, that is so admirable. It's, uh, to me, that is strength. That is very powerful. And I love when people are able to come forward and be 
truthful with what it is that they're going through, especially around strangers. Um, I, in Clubhouse, I've encountered so many conversations where people are just open, completely opening themselves up to strangers. And, you know, I think some people, now I'm just ranting, but I think some people, including myself, don't necessarily want to take up that space. They don't want to be the one to, uh, you know, make themselves bigger and encompass that vulnerability um, or the opportunity to be vulnerable. Um, but if there's anybody in this room uh, who's afraid of coming up on stage, I think you definitely should. Um, if you'd like to share anything, because that is also strength and that's an area of mental health too. I love that. I love it so much because that's exactly what we've been doing. I'm not sure how long you've been in the room, but the two ladies, Shanice and Kirsty. That's all I had to say so far. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. And I thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I'm not sure how long you've been in the room, but the two ladies, Shanice and Kirsty, have shared their personal struggles with mental health. And it was very bold and very brave, the truth that they have. And we have a space. Um, and to shake the room, the whole point of us creating this room is so that people can be hot, which is honest, open and transparent. I strongly believe that we get healing. Um, we're able to bless other people by sharing our truths. And I think that one of the most powerful things we could ever do is share our truth. When things come to light, they no longer have power over us. And um, sometimes we go about with this darkness um, inside of us. And literally, we are just opening the space and creating more and more spaces under Shake the Room that people can openly, honestly, and truthfully share their truth. And I'm always encouraging people to be vulnerable because I personally used to think that vulnerability was a weakness. And so it was a space that I was never prepared to go to. But the more that I've done that is the more that I'm finding, okay, this is changing my life. And so... We want to encourage, thank you so much for coming into the room. And I hope that you join more of our rooms, Alison. Please do share and follow and um, stay connected. And thank you so much for sharing that. Miss Susan, welcome to the stage. Queen, how are you? Evening. evening, you sound very low, far away. Oh, can you hear me now? We can, but it's very low. Is it just me or is everybody else hearing her low? She's pretty low, yeah. Yeah, you're low. What about now? No, have you got headphones in or something? I have. Yeah, it's probably your headphones. Headphones do this on Clubhouse, guys. Can you hear me now? Perfect. Okay. First of all, I'd like to say thank you to Kirsty Ann and Shanice for your honesty, bravery, and sharing your stories also I just yeah I really admire both of you and yeah I have been struggling recently I have um and what I've been struggling with is well it's anxiety because when I realized what anxiety meant it was anxiety about the future I've moved because I wanted to move but actually 
I don't know if it's right for me and just waking up at night and not being able to sleep. And actually, I did phone Tanya and I phoned Tina and just in a real panic. And it is getting better because I am doing the work. But what I also do, and I could hear it when Tanya was talking, I also drop off because when I have great night's sleep, I think, oh, I don't need to do my affirmations. I don't need to do my mirror work because I'm all right now. And then when I don't have a great night's sleep, I think, actually, no, Sue, you need to go back to it. And for me personally, I didn't realise how powerful affirmations were because I've never used them before. But actually, I can really, really see the change. And I was actually going to go to the doctors to get some medication because that's what I thought I needed. And I thought, no, you don't, Sue. Because reading Louise Hay and just being in Elevate, being in that space, it's it's me and it's my thinking that has created this. And just as Tanya said, just as it came in, I can make this go out as well and I will make it go out as well. There's a word that I really have an issue with and it's strong because I've been through things in my life. People say to me, oh, you're strong. And I say to them, I'm not. I'm a human being with feelings who feels things just because I'm standing up and I've been through some stuff. Don't say that I'm strong because I'm not. I'm just not. And I just think sometimes that word is used as a smoke screen. And I personally have a real big issue with it, a real, real big issue with it. And I'm learning to reach out to people to say that I'm struggling because I do find it very, very hard, but I'm learning to do that. And I know who I can go for, go to when I'm struggling to be truly honest. And yeah, because it's hard, it's hard, but yeah, that's me. I'm mute. Can I say something I just realised after hearing Susan speak, which thank you, Susan, for speaking um, and bringing another perspective. But I also realised that the support that I go to now is not the same either. And I honestly want to go to other people, but my first thought is to go to Tanya now. Because you know what, whatever thought I have that I want replacing or moving or when I want shifting, I would just probably be scared to go to Tanya before because I know that it's about to be dealt with. But I like the fact that in hearing you speak and talking about support you can go to, I realise how much I just go to her because I don't want to go around the dilly-dallying of it anymore or the to and throwing. I actually want it dealt with. Um, and so I just wanted to vocalise that. I love that. And honestly, it's brave. Like, what you guys are doing, Susan, thank you so much for sharing that, is brave. Honestly, I'm fortunate enough that Susan is my cousin and to watch the way that she would deal with things for years, that avoidance thing is real. And what I also think is she has been through some things and she's dealt with them. She's cracked on, you know, she's held her head firm. You know, it doesn't mean that she's not crumbling at home. It doesn't mean that she's not feeling some things. It doesn't mean that she's not seeking guidance and counsel and all of those things. But prospectively, you can look strong. You can appear strong. But who's really coming to sit down in that dark closet and say, you know, like, are you really okay? And better yet, we've also heard the flip side of stuff that she's doing too well. 
she's doing too well she should have broken by now she should have this and it's that same level of the conversation that Kirsty had earlier where people put a time frame on your on your grief or your healing or the way that your journey is supposed to look and also that's another reason why so many people mentally struggle because we live in this time this beginning and end this what it should look like as opposed to it been a process it's a process and there is no time on your process there really isn't and so sometimes we rob ourselves of that peace we actually rob ourselves of that peace and enjoying and embracing the process because we're on this time frame i want to say bullshit guys that's what it is honestly Whew, I'm loving this room, by the way. Oh, yeah. I'm loving this. If I hear time and process one more time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my We've learned time somewhere here. We've learned that by 30, we should do this, that by five, this, by a certain amount of months, your child should walk. By this age, they should do that. And, and it's so implemented from so young that we don't even know we're doing it anymore. It, like I said, I had a massive realization the other day because someone shared in, in Elevate that basically they transformed their whole life, their debt, buying a home, marriage, something. It was really starting a business. It was late. It was late 30s. And although I am and have been doing great things, I'm still like, oh God, I, I kind of should have been somewhere else. I go through the same stuff too. But when I looked at her story, I was like, oh my God, you're counting yourself out before you even count yourself in. And technically, if I'm going to die at 90, guys, I'm only one third through my life. I'm not even halfway. Cut yourself some credit. Live on your credit. Just to refresh the room, I'm loving the people in the audience and how you're contributing to this conversation. Thank you so much. Um, we are in this room talking about mental health and seeking guidance on it. We are doing a new series this month. And what you're going to see is real people coming who have been through the process with me, who are in my spaces with me. They're going to come to the stage and they're going to be talking their truths. They're going to be speaking about the things that they've been battling with, healing with, releasing, dealing. And today we've had Shanice and Kirsty speaking about their struggles with mental health. Um, so we're going to continue the conversation. Mr. Hira, thank you for coming to the stage. What have you got to say, Queen? Hey, everybody. How are you? We good, girl. How are you? Good, good. So I want, and, and by the way, amazing room, amazing people, and thanks for sharing. It just really, it's really reflective. Um, I've, uh, one thing I want to say, uh, Tanya, silence is amazing. Like someone keeps telling me silence is a member of the team. And I go, okay, all right, that's, that's fine. I need to uh, remember that. <laughs> I bloody love that. Silence is a member of the team. Like silence is my whole team, but yes. <laughs> and then I think, I think, it's interesting about when you've got mental health and what you're thinking about, how how do you reflect and how do you bring that, like, how do you even start the conversation? And one thing which came to mind for me was guilt. Isn't it that we have guilt that sometimes we need to be strong and we need to be the one who is 
there for everybody and all that sort of stuff, which then means it kind of puts pressure on ourselves. And that's why we sometimes feel alone. That actually guilt is something which we end up holding on to. That's just the personal experience which I had when it came to um, going through a really weird time for me because I hadn't stopped and reflected and I just went through a whole load of uh, challenges and everything. And um, and then it was just the guilt of not, like if I went to go and when I did some counselling and I went and go and had a conversation, I just sat there and I have to say, <laughs> The, the, I'm going to call it westernized, westernized counselling is very different to like talking to someone who's real um, and I feel you just sit and to me I felt like I was just sitting there and I was moaning and I was moaning um, yeah so it was it was, it was was just so I felt guilty when I was in there I felt guilty and I felt bad and, that, and actually that's really interesting how you should be focusing on yourself but then you're still focusing on, on other things that was just a, a self-reflection um and then there's just not knowing what to do because then you're stuck in all of these thoughts about, right, okay, I'm, I'm not very good as a person and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, that was one thing I wanted to add. Thank you. I love that, Tahira. Guilt about you have to be strong. Ah, Shanice and Kirsty, anyone else who's struggling with mental health, how strong does that feel? How true does that feel? That's the weirdest thing ever. I know for a fact people have always looked at me as you're the strongest girl I know and oh my god because you know I was a person I might be fight sometimes um and a lot of the time <laughs> you shut your mouth um but yeah I was a person that was a person that would speak her mind that I would never back down from anything um so how could she be going through anything like that so then when you do go through that it's like my God, people look at me as the strong one. You can't, you're not allowed to be that way. You're not allowed to have mental health problems. You're not allowed to be feeling low in mood. You're not allowed to be feeling depressed. You need to then put on your brave face. And then you've got to put on this persona that you are the strong one. When deep inside, you're really crumbling. Like, really crumbling. Even to the point where you actually feel like you are like already dead on the floor already. So um, I really love that, what you just said. Yeah. I love it too. And I love the, con- the the way that you've just made it plain, Shanice, because in my, in, my, in my perspective, I also feel like this is why the rate of men struggling with mental health is increasing because they're expected to be strong. They're expected to provide. They're expected to lead. They're expected to figure it out. You know, all of this stuff. And it's like, says who? Says who? And actually, if they ask for help or maybe they're vulnerable, then they're put in a category of being too feminine to having too much emotional and diddly. And it's just like, ah, how do you just get to be? How do you just get to be yourself, whatever that looks like, with no permission needed? And I think that's really how you start to overcome mental health. It is accepting things as they are and doing what you can. Doing what you can. And knowing that's enough. Do you understand? Doesn't have to look like strong, doesn't have to look like powerful, doesn't have to even look like purposeful. And that's another thing that I think is triggering people with religious beliefs into mental health stuff is because they're out here seeking their purpose and they can't find it. So now they feel like this and like that. 
mad. We need more spaces where people can be, where people can express their truth and they can get support, like actual support. Guys, I have absolutely loved this conversation. I have loved the, the space of people just sharing their truths and you asking questions and coming up. Um, so is there anything else that anybody on the stage wants to add to this conversation or say before we head out of the room? I just wanted to say a, a big thank you to all the people that have just been there and been a great support. You know, my sisters um, in Elevate, um, my parents and everything. Like, I've, one thing I've been learning a lot lately and um, really been doing is praying a lot. And in my prayers, there are prayers of gratitude. And I pray every day and give my gratitude to God for blessing me with such a great support system because it's the one thing I've always wanted and it's the one thing I never felt I had when I was younger. And I just feel so, so blessed to be able to have such amazing people that you know, we'll call you out on your shit. <laughs> but call you out on your shit on your love and have your back 100%. So I'm just like 100% grateful to all of you guys that have had my back always. Girl, we ain't going anywhere. And trust me. We have reached spaces with Shanice and she's like, you don't know me, you don't know me. And we're like, let's go. But one thing I will say is in our space, we do have the courage to call you out. But I also invite anybody that's calling people out to call them higher. Some people are just out here calling people out, calling people out, calling them out, but they don't give them, again, that replacing thing. They don't give them a place to go higher. I will call you out because I want you to see you how how your higher self sees you, how God sees you, how life sees you. And, and that's a higher view sometimes than where we allow ourselves to be. And I honestly, Queen salute you and Kirsty because I know that none of your journeys have been easy, not just in the last year, but your life's period, but you're doing what it takes. And like I said yesterday morning, winning takes everything. It doesn't take some of you. It doesn't take on the good days where you feel good. It doesn't take where, oh, yep, I'm going to figure it out. No, it just takes all of you. And that all of you starts with a commitment to the process. And I love that you're both continuing to commit to the process. And there's been tears, there's been fights, there's been not understanding, there's been wanting to check out, wanting to check in, um, whatever. But what I do love is when it's the level of support that we've been able to create, the sisterhood that you all have in that space is absolutely incredible to watch. It's just really beautiful. Um, and I just pray that, you know, it continues to make room for you to be your best selves. Like real talk. Honestly, I couldn't do this stuff by myself because it, it just would be shit. <laughs> so it's great with everybody being a part of the journey too. Anybody else got anything to say before we check out? Yeah, I've said it, um, but again, I'll just say thank you um, again for creating these spaces. Um, thank you for just 
just um, like Felice, it's just being grateful um, to have a space to express and saying it earlier that when you're in a space where you've got no judgment, where you're being called with love, and there's something that I realised today, because obviously Kirsty doesn't always see what she contributes to anything, you guys must be gaining so much patience having me in the space like Girl! Girl! <laughs> Girl, <laughs> patience, yes, <laughs> we're here for it, Kirsty. Honestly, um, Kirsty's fought through some battles and she's won, and that's just it. And one thing is on my spirit to really say to you, Susan, as well, is give yourself credit. I know that you guys don't like to be seen as strong. But honestly, I want you to give yourself credit because you just go from making the next best choice to the next best choice to the next best choice to the next best choice, the next best choice. And you don't necessarily say, well done to you, to you, congratulations to you. And I feel like my spirit is telling me, especially for you, Sue, celebrate yourself. Honestly, celebrate your journey. Sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to do that because of what we've been through. So we just keep going through it. But to every single one of you guys, Kirsty, Shanice, Susan, Mum, Please celebrate yourselves. It's, 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 it's so vital that you do it. Tahida, Gary, Claude, celebrate yourselves. Grand evening, Claude. Welcome to the stage. Yeah, grand evening, Tana. Um, absolutely beautiful room. Uh, thank you, everybody, for coming up and being so brave and honest. Um, as you don't normally do, but you normally do, you've been doing it that like, you can stick to the room. I don't know. I knew someone was going to ask, you know. I knew it. It's that kind of um, um, attention. It needs, needs that kind of attention. And of course, I'm going to pick from the mental health collection, because if you didn't know, I have got a special collection for mental health. And it's not that you have to be experiencing it. This is one of my favourite collections. And I don't really pick from it, but I'm led to pick from it today. <laughs> and it literally says, better days are coming. Better days are coming. And I just feel that sometimes when we're in the midst of whatever we're in the midst of, we forget that fact. We forget that this too shall pass. And like Kirsty said, where she struggled is because she would get stuck in the moment and she would make the moment a theme and an anthem and a flipping soundtrack for her life. It was just supposed to be a beat. It was just supposed to be a, a beat. But she made it a theme, an anthem, a soundtrack. 
And I just want to remind everybody that better days are coming for us all. That's the truth. The best is yet to come. And I don't know about y'all, but I've been through some good shit. <laughs> but the best is yet to come. What happens when you actually believe that? I've got that engraved in one of my bracelets. And every time I look at that bracelet, it don't matter what I'm going through, I just remember better days are yet to come. I'm actually going to design a bracelet saying this too shall pass. Because I just think you just need to be reminded of this stuff. You just do. I'm going to grab another stick in a second, but dad, you can um, say what you wanted to say. No, I just wanted to say it. Um, absolutely beautiful room. Um, very powerful room as well. And just like to thank everybody for participating in it. And, you know, with mental health risks, um, how do you look for the signs in mental health? Sometimes you can't actually see it until it's actually happening. So I understand people feeling guilt, but you can't. Don't think you can feel guilty about something you don't know about or you ain't seen or you haven't seen signs that sometimes they can come on. Different people have different forms of mental health. So, I mean, how do you actually know the signs? How do you, you know, how do you stop feeling that guilt and dealing with the um, problems? You know, I mean, as I said, there's many. Um, angles to the mental health, you know? So, if you can answer that, this is an answerable question. Do you know what? I would love everyone to answer that question. Um, but for me personally, and with the experiences that I've had over the last, and actually, when I said it out loud today, it's probably been over a series of like 10 years now. Do you know what the craziest thing is? Some of the signs, you can't see them. That's what's so painful about it. There isn't any signs. There's none. People can be what seems as okay today and tomorrow all the way off. As much as there can be signs, you know, anger, tantrums, um, anxiety, depression, um, again, not wanting to be around people, locking off, you know, a lot of people do this, locking off, isolating thing, um, lots of shifts in temper and temperament, um, shifts in behaviour and attitude, quick, snappy responses or no responses at all, you know, the, the, the signs are so much, as much as they're nothing at all. And in my personal experience, paranoia, we've got someone saying a very good sign is paranoia um overthinking imagine that th there's just so much but what's also amazing is that I've watched people in institutions with professionals that by the book are professionals in dealing with mental health and I'll tell you lot something for free they don't know shit they don't know shit because the same way that Gary said, sometimes people with mental health, you know when they're struggling and then they're normal. You see what happens is a lot of them say, oh, okay, they're normal now because they are operating and coping like the rest of us would. Yet there's nothing normal about the way that things are being processed in their heads. And so this is why I think that mental health is such a big thing, because I just think as a society, we just don't know enough yet. And if I really was to say what's on my heart, I feel like we're classing a lot of things as mental health because we really don't understand what's happening spiritually. 
but hey, that's just me. I love on that spiritual point, um, I'm going to say this more for me, um, but it's for everyone else as well, because Tanya has been encouraging me to follow my own GPS and my own guidance system, as I'm quite intuitive and I'm a feeler. And this is actually a call out to anyone else who is a feeler, because what Tanya's able to do, and this touches on Gary's point from earlier, and the new lady that came, I didn't catch her name, sorry, um, about why do we only do things when we're guilty? And in quite a lot of people's cases, that's the, that's the case. But as a feeler, some of us actually feel it before the guilt kicks in and we have an opportunity to actually reach out at that point. And I would say for those people that know exactly what I'm talking about and it might not make sense to some, but for those that do feel and can feel things, start using it, don't lose it. Start actually using it and using it for service. Honestly, I just want to echo what she said. Please use when you've got that. It's it's past being an empath. It, it, it's 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 so deep. It, you feel so much that you don't almost want to feel at all. It, it, it's just I always used to say, um, I feel so much, yet I feel nothing at all. The journey of being a spiritual woman, and the level that I feel things that I ignored it for a very long time. I could tell you guys about being in a car, having this massive sense that something was going to go down. I, I I, basically just had this boom, this clear vision in front of me that I should have got out of this car to the point that I then said to my sister after ignoring it for quite a long time, come off at the next exit. And just as I went to say it, boom, we were hit. Nearly lost our lives. It was a really bad accident. And I think from that day, I started to realise, I've got to trust this thing. I've got to trust this sense of feelings you know, from dreams to, to just so much stuff that people don't necessarily want to talk about in open spaces. I want to talk about it because those things are why some people go to what we call crazy because they don't know how to communicate those things. They don't know how to stop it. They don't know how to turn it off. They don't know how to disconnect from it because they're so divinely connected So please, don't ignore those things. Learn to get it out. Another thing is, do you think that it's something that is hereditary? Ooh, this is what they say. But what I believe is hereditary is the spiritual gift. I don't think it's the mental illness. And I don't think that's communicated. Can I say something, Tanya? Yes, go ahead. Um, I think with regards to um, recognising it, I think, I think one of the factors that we really have to look at is recognising the potential of it in the sense of... Um, Mental health is there waiting for everybody. It's, you know, it's not something that somebody can just 
or that particular type of person can get it or you know we all go through the same pressures of life we all go through the same um traumas and stuff like that so it can, you can always um you can always succumb to that but i think the best a person can do from my point of view is you know everybody you touch kind of just leave them in the best condition you can leave them in you know um or try and try and try and leave them with a smile try and leave them in a, in a in a good place try and you know don't ever ignore anything that they say like the smallest thing because it might be the littlest thing to you but it might be something massive going on for them so try not to leave anybody with a you know if they tell you oh yeah i'm having a bit of a bad day you know you know try and give up you know well, why and see they may open up to you they may not but just even being able to express that little bit to you can make a difference. So it's not, I don't think it's about any one individual recognizing it. I think it's about kind of if everybody really gave a shit, you know, like really, I know we've all got our, our own problems and I know we've all got, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. So, but if you talk to somebody, just, just try and, you know, just try and leave them in a, in a good place. You know, because they could have the same problems as somebody, somebody who's, you know, going to self-harm, somebody who's going to jump off a bridge, or somebody who's just going to get mad at something. You know, the littlest thing could be the, could end up being the biggest thing, and the biggest thing could end up being the littlest thing. So I think it's really about, um, as I say, just kind of, just try, try and leave everybody in the in the best condition you can leave them in i love that, I love that. and it is a principle that i practice um leaving everybody better than we found them that's one of my intentions for the spaces and for people i work with is to leave them better than i found them people i meet in the street you know what i mean like anywhere you go if you can just have the intention to leave people better than you found them then maybe that's enough to play your part i love that um, Tahira, was you going to say something? And then Kirsty, I believe you've got something to add. I can't remember now. Oh. I can't remember. It's already. It's okay, girl. Can I come back to me in a second? <laughs> Kirsty? No, I had nothing to add. It was just on what Gary was saying when I um, sent your message was when he was saying someone's not saying they're okay. Um, just to dig that little bit deeper, I was saying quality questions. It's become a game changer for me, especially like with my daughter, rather than assume and presume because it feels contradictory after just saying, go on your feelings. But I'm so used to going on my feelings with people I'm comfortable with. I get to the conclusions before they've had a chance to express themselves, which gets them to shut down even more. So rather than assume, even though you can feel it, Ask the questions, draw it out. I love that. They always go to here. Go ahead, girl. So I just wanna so this was my experience when someone said to me, because it, it it is and, and this is just going on the signs and stuff, and someone said to me, Tahira, are you okay? And I was like, Yeah, I'm fine. And then they said to me, Where's where's that Tahira who questions and asks and challenges and all that sort of stuff? And I hadn't realised that I'd slipped. I don't know if slip is the right word, but it wasn't my normal self, if that makes sense. And they said, we like those things where, where you did challenge and you did 
um, question me. So it was interesting to get their their reflection on the characteristics which I was missing because I wasn't my normal self. If that makes sense, and I think that was a that was just one way to trigger. And it, and it allowed me to actually get back on the, let's get back to my Tahira self of challenging and having the confidence to be able to do that because someone had said that, like, they squashed my confidence over a period of time. That was my share. I love that. And it's so true because normally people message me like, hey, T, how are you? And I always say some bold thing like, I'm great. I'm magnificent. I'm out here slaying whatever. And I always say some fantastic sentence. And maybe in, like, the last week I was going, I'm okay. And one person messaged me back and they was like, okay, something's wrong, you're off. And I was like, no, I'm actually just okay. But actually thinking back, of course they were correct. Ah, I was all correct. <laughs> Sorry, that's hilarious. You just brought that to light. <laughs> and now I've got to humble myself and apologize. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. <sighs> Anyways, I've had a great time in this room today. It's been a long run, but I appreciate your time and your energy and your um, just your contributions for being in here. And most importantly, your truths. I will be back in the morning, but it's going to be real chappy and real quick again. Um, so I've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed this conversation. I've enjoyed your questions and your contributions. And I, I just really love it. And I just hope that we can all decide to contribute more and recognize how powerful each and every single one of our voices are, you know um people are great because they choose to be so I hope that you continue to choose being great for you again Shanice and Kirsty Queen salute to everybody that's come to the stage today I appreciate you everybody that's listening I appreciate you and yeah guys it's a wrap thank you thank you thank you have an amazing amazing evening you did amazing guys thank you thank you welcome Yeah, you're pretty much show me what's beneath your surface I wanna know you